Hello and welcome to the What Would You Do If podcast series with Matt Smith, CEO of BDB and Chris Grimes, Business Development Director of BDB. This week we're focusing on the topic of what would you do if or when, essentially, when you outgrow your HR function. Um, Big subject. Yes, I think, yeah, I think a lot of SMEs and growing businesses, it's something at some point you've got to address and, and, and acknowledge. And by that, I guess a lot of companies kick off you're setting the scene, a one-man band, who you suddenly go from finance, your sales, your HR, your payroll, your admin, your print, postage, packaging, you do everything. And then gradually onboard more and more people. And I think then your team gets to a size where HR, the HR function comes more to the forefront. But you had a decision to make, didn't you? So yeah. you had a decision to make when you did the MBO for this business mm-hmm. on whether to have an, a, a HR function or not. So do you, want, do you want to talk me through? It probably starts even earlier than that. Okay. So when I joined BDB five years ago, there was, there was very limited financial responsibility in the business um, in the sense of expertise in terms of accountants okay. or whatever. They were, they were heavily like an external accountants, pretty normal for a company of our size, nothing wrong with that. What um, size were you then, just to give us context? A couple of mil, a couple of mil turnover. Staff about numbers? 22 staff, okay. 20-ish staff. Um, we're now probably double in most aspects, I suppose is the easiest way to summarise it. So we've grown rapidly over the last, the last sort of five years, particularly in the last two or three. Um, and I guess that as the team grows, um, the HR function becomes under more pressure or more scrutiny. So going back to 2014 when I joined, I joined as finance and ops director, if people aren't aware, back in the days so my background is more chartered accountancy, M&A, corporate finance, mergers and acquisitions, not marketing, I guess was the point. So I was brought in and typically under that finance director role, it's IT, admin uh, and the lovely, wonderful HR function, um, which is fine. Um, in terms of disqualifications in HR we have, you do them alongside your accountancy exams. So you are qualified to speak in that area and kind of govern it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm personally not a huge fan of the HR gurus out there that have read a lot of books and maybe haven't actually ever run a team. Might be a bit controversial. Come back to that one later. Controversial. I know. But in the sense of... Um, so it's always formed part of my role, the people management side of things, people development kind of things, and dealing with any HR issues, whether that is... Um, I think from a tribunal to a redundancy to a HR to a compromise agreement, it can be anything that that all kind of forms under the umbrella. And it's bread and butter stuff for me. It's fine. It's not. It's not. But what? What? My my thing is, what made you make that decision at that time? Whether it's when you were in that role or when you took over that you said it started earlier. It started to, earlier to, to not have a HR person in house. Part of the role of a finance director right. for me. So the the, the 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 logic to it is. Um, they're striking that balance between bringing in an, H, an external HR consultant, let's call it. Somebody. Or employing someone. Or employing somebody, but you're talking a material salary. Okay. So if you've already got a finance director in the business, maybe a financial controller in your business, um, I, don't know when the tip, I don't know when the tipping point is. People might have some stats on it. I don't know. But it's a gut feel point of when you need to go out and actually employ a full-time HR director, let's okay. call it. But you're talking a, you know, a 50K, 50K plus salary. Yeah. So at that stage, you've either got to have a hell of a lot of HR admin, as I'd call it, or be anticipating a hell of a lot of HR issues, is what I would say, in terms of the things that you just haven't got time to deal with. Yeah. Um, the, the, the middle ground, if, you, if, you've not, if you're not dealing with it yourself as a HR person, would be an outsourced um, HR consultant of some kind to come in on a day per week or whatever it may yeah. be on advisory capacity. We didn't do that either. We, we, that's always kind of sat with me as part of the role. Worked well. Never had any issues with it, to be clear. It's always, always been okay. 
then we executed the MBO um, in the summer of 2017. And so we bought 100% of the share cap off the incumbent owners. Um, things changed a bit. What changed? Um, I just think when your name goes above the door, so up, up until the summer of 2017, I was an employee, a senior employee, but an employee of the business. Mm-hmm. Post that one day when we signed a piece of paper, you suddenly become the landlord, or I think it's a perception thing, but you're viewed as holding the keys to the kingdom. By we the do team. have the keys to the kingdom. Yeah, but it's funny, I still, I don't view it. It's, funny, it's really funny, I guess, mm-hmm. to think about that. Yeah, yes, you do, but it's not the way I view it. So in the sense of, I don't, there's no them and us. It's, it's no, it's never been them and us. No but, I th- no, but I think it can create that kind of feeling. Yeah. I guess the perception of you and your role, that you do hold, now hold the perceived keys to the kingdom, and you are in church, totally in charge, which I've been for all the years before, in terms of what people are paid, what pay rises they get, because the, the incumbent owners at the time were relatively, not silent, but they were... That was involved. It gave us a lot of autonomy, which was great, and it prepped us perfectly for the MBO. So credit to them. Um, but I think just that change of suddenly it's you. It's definitely you. There's no hiding from it. You own the business now. Yeah. How, much, think, how much? How much? I know we're talking about HR, and, and it, it does fall in line with it. Mm. But how much more pressure did you feel that day? Uh, I know you were excited and felt like a uh, like a post wedding come down. Oh, you've been married, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, for me, like all the build-up, I don't mean I, I didn't particularly feel this after a wedding, but I know my wife did. So in the sense of the big build-up to it, the big build-up the, to the it, planning, all planning, the effort, planning, all the planning, yeah, yeah. months, years even of planning, and it was for the MBO. Yeah. And then you got this one big day, which all right, is the wedding day, which is great. Get, get drunk. Or yeah, or the one big day when you go and sign a piece of paper in the solicitor's office, and it's and it's amazing. It's a great feeling, yeah, and yeah. the relief of it. And yes, you go and get drunk. And the next day you wake up and nothing's changed. You've just taken on either debt pressure stress, burden, and so, not, not the reality sits in, but there is, there is certainly a sinking, a sinking in feeling of, oh, right. So talk, talk to me about that first morning when you wake up. Did you, did you feel different or? I definitely was a bit hungover. Cheeky. Yeah, we had a good night celebrating and the four of us who bought it. It's a special night, one of the ones you remember. You yeah. know, it's one of the ones you've definitely been a member of years to come. It was a fantastic evening celebrating all, all the stress and pressure, not only the build-up to it, but that day was bloody hard, really hard. Okay. And, you know, Why was it hard? It came out of the woodwork. You don't expect the last minute, last minute changes, stresses, strains. Can you, can you say what they were? Um, I think so, yeah. I suppose it was at a high level. We were, we were going to Manchester to sign at three o'clock on the day. Yeah. Uh, at the death, the incumbent owners made some late requests, shall we say? Um, and then there was a bit of to and fro to get things over the line. So I think we actually ended up signing at something like half 11 at night. Oh, really? The solicitor's office in Manchester. And we still, you know, there's no fallout with us and the incumbent owners. It was just one of those right at the death. I imagine they had a wobble and they, they were giving away their 25 year, 30 year old baby to somebody else. And, you know, they started it from scratch. And, must know, be hard, must be hard. Really, really tough. And you anticipate that. <laughs> Um, I, just, I don't know if they anticipated quite how hard a wobble it might be right at the death after, you know, effectively for me what had been three years of build-up. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of unanticipated pressure right at the death, I suppose. So I say to sign at kind of half 11 at night and we're still split a glass of champagne with them, we're still in contact with them, we're still on really good terms with them, so there's nothing bad to be seen there. It's, I totally get from their emotional perspective where they came at it from. Yeah. But, it was a really stressful day. Yeah. Uh, we went out and had a few drinks. And I think all of us were just knackered. Um, so how long did it take you then mm. um, kind of get into your stride? Mm. I, know you were in your, I know you were in your stride anyway, cause, but with the change, did it take you a, a, a kind of a, a few weeks to adjust? And that's, what, that's why I'm kind of pushing on the, the HR. No, uh, I'd say, uh, I'd uh, say it, took me a, it took me a while to get back up to speed with things. 
the MBO had been a massive distraction for me, which is quite common again in the, in the deal, you know, deal maker circles. But we started the process formally in the February and got it over the line in August. Right. So for six months, seven months, I'd worked exclusive, not ex- not exclusive, that's unfair, but pretty exclusively on the MBO. So, so other people have been back covering for me, backfilling different roles, okay. taking on client services roles, finance. I've got a financial controller into backfill who's still with us now. He's a great guy, but he, he's been he was integral to me, enabling me to free me up to work on the MBO. And then suddenly you, you come out the other side of it, and you've been working on it for six months, and it just disappears that workload. So you think, sort of think, right, back back to the day job in a way, or what's next? Oh, and that's what excites me about the job. And then bedding back into the key roles and responsibilities aspects have been picked up by other people. That's great. Some aspects definitely need to be picked up again by me and, and kind of driven again, uh, which is fine. And HR was one of those, I suppose, that was kind of kicking around. Yeah, so I know we went on, not off on a slight bit of a tangent, but I think it was important to, to put it in. But why why did the, not problems, I don't want to say problems, because well, what, 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 what changed? what changed? I think it was my naivety. Right. It's probably the way I'd summarise it. And I don't know, maybe I'll make a bigger deal out of this than it was, but... Well, that's how get, you felt at the time, so that's, that's... I just kept getting a vibe from the team that they were like, oh... A couple of people, you know, I say, you say on previous podcasts, we're open to any ideas. If anyone's got an idea, we have an ideas, um, ideas for games, we call it, but in terms of like a submission box, people can email things through to so they've got an idea, it gets discussed. If it's good, it gets implemented. If it's worthwhile, it gets explored and then implemented, and very few get rejected. The one that cropped up a few times was, oh, we need a HR function, think we need a HR person, think it's time to onboard somebody from HR. And I suppose a little bit of ego and a little bit of um, what we call it, self-protection or whatever kicks in that I was thinking... Hang on a minute, I'm, I'm HR. Yeah. Like, and, and I'm really passionate about it, and I'm, I'm HR. Like, what's, what's the problem? And that's how it sort of kicked off for me in the early stages, I suppose. And a few more people said, do we need a HR function? Do we need somebody from HR? And then I stood at the front of the team in a team meeting in, where we sat in, in the hive and said, Guys, I'm, I'm HR. Like, we've got, we've got it covered. And, and again, there's HR for me, there's two strands to it. There's HR admin, HR issues, if I would call it. People use and there's a big, big difference in there. People use the phrase HR loosely in my mind I, yeah, know, but, I, know, I know it encompasses all but it's not yeah, but the same I'm, I'm with you one's, one's drafting contracts and off letters and other, th- other, and other things yeah. not, not, not decrying the task and the other one is dealing with issues um, the second one being the more tough one so do you think the reason why you didn't bring a HR function in and, and just on that the HR admin versus HR problems did you think that you were better placed than an external party coming in I think I can pay somebody £100 a day, or £750 a day, or £1,000 a day, whatever HR consultant wants these days. I don't know what the price point is to be clear. Yeah, yeah. But it's not cheap. You don't get out of bed that cheaply these days. Um, I could pay them a fee. They know nothing about the business. I'm sure they could get to know the business. Mm. They know nothing about the individuals. They know nothing about the personalities in the team. They know nothing about the struggles, strains, successes of the team members we've got. So they see very black and white, really, then, don't they? Well, that's what HR people do, because yeah. there's a HR handbook that you follow. So it's, this, is my, this is my view on it, by the way. But there's a HR handbook that you follow, and I'm sure several people will pick us up on this, it's not like this, but can become a little bit best practice which is because you need to protect yourself as an employer. Um, and for me, there's nobody in this business that cares more about the business than me. There's nobody in this business that cares more about the team than me. There's nobody in this business that cares more about the individuals and the personalities in the team than me. And they might not know that all the time. They might not know that I'm interested in all this analysis, every single thing that goes on in the business. Mm. I track their performance. I see how they're doing. I look to how we can support them and nurture their talent better. A little bit of you go, oh, why, why, why don't they get that? But I think that was my name. As I say, looking back, I've come to terms with it now. I'm not, I'm not quite as emotional about it. But. Yeah. Do you, do you think that 
and I'm, I'm with you on that, and I, kind of, I do see your your point of view. Do you think from from the staff's point of view, they might think a bit close, a bit close to it, and understand the understand the understand your passion? I don't know if they do. I don't know if they do. I mean, yeah. that's one thing. I don't, I don't know if they do. Um, I think when you're in the CEO role, you can easily become this enigmatic figure through intention because you're busy. We've seen running around firefighting quite often and sorting things mm. out. People are quite frightened to speak to you. And I think also what's interesting is as people have left the team and we've got new people that we've onboarded here, the new people only ever know me as the CEO or owner. Yeah. They don't know me as the guy that came in from finance. No, they don't know me as the 30-odd-year-old guy who came in nervously trying to make a, his mark in kind of the marketing and communications world. Yeah. Um, and other people have helped me here. That's why I'm, that's why I'm loyal to them. They've, they've but do you, not, but do, you not, do you not think that sometimes... That's to your massive advantage, which I, I think when you yeah. when you work in BDB, like I've done for the last three or four months, and you see how close everyone is, and and it's run really well, and there isn't that many HR issues. But which well, well, fair, it's virtually non-existent. Yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah. But I think from if if you again, sorry, Blair, very black and white. Yeah. Someone said you've got thirty staff, and you yeah. you said you've not got an HR, fu- or not yeah. got either an external HR yeah. function helping you out. Someone would be going. Yeah. But right. that's maybe. Testament to the point, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Two ways of looking at that. One way is, yeah, we've, we're, I think we're finishing with 37. So in the sense, about 37, yeah. I think we're finishing with 37 people. Um, nope, we don't have a HR function. We do have a, a transitioning HR function. We'll come on to that. But in the sense of, um, we don't have many HR issues. Is that because up until recently, I've been HR and therefore issues haven't been raised? People don't want to speak to me. Good question. Maybe. Don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't think it is. I think you'd hear it right through the channels. Hopefully, I was just about to say. I think. I think. Obviously, testament to the previous podcast we didn't. We did. People do come to you with. Is that that in essence the digital detox we did in the previous podcast? Yeah. Is borderline HR in 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 essence in terms of time that people HR stuff. Yeah. So I think I think people feel freely that's come to you. Yeah. But do you not? You not sometimes feel a bit too close to it to make. It's funny. It's funny, cause, but no, it might be wrong. I, no. No. Okay. No, it's my only answer to that. No, I just mm. really care. Like, yeah. I mean, if people don't get that about me, and you know, you know me a long time, yeah. but I, I just genuinely care about the business, and I want I care about the individuals in it. So, if there's a problem, it can be quite blunt and quite directive when, I need, when I need to be. Oh no, always fair. And I hope anybody would say that about me. If it's what you're remembered for, I'd like to be remembered for being fair, which is mm. one of the qualities yeah. I think I think it is. Um. I'll always come down on the on the side of who's right ultimately, regardless of who you are, what rank you are, whatever. Yeah. And always try and see things from different people's angles, which I think a good HR person does. So let's But do fa- I think I'm too close or does the team think I'm too close? Well, that's a, that's a million dollar question. Well let's fast forward let's wave a magic wand and it's twelve months on, you're yeah. at forty seven, forty eight yeah. staff. Yeah. Your mind change? Would you, would, would you? I've started now already making plans for our financial controller to take on more of the HR role. Okay. So he is chartered accountant as well. He's really good. He started to do the HR qualifications because um, for me, you should have some kind of qualification or holding in that area to kind of have the gravitas to also discuss it. And he's got the temperament actually as well. Yeah, but for me, he's got a perfect temperament yeah. for HR because he doesn't take any shit, if I can say that. Yeah. Um, and he's fair. He's fair. He's yeah. fair. No, he is. He's fair. Yeah. I don't think necessarily that's what people want from a HR function when they say we need a HR function. Do they want somebody who can go... What is it that you want? 
to me, for me, all I want is people to be fair and understand all sides of a position. If if it's an, if it's an issue, not just banging out HR letters. I'm talking about actual issues here, dealing with issues. But I just want somebody that's fair, considerate, empathetic to the people that are involved, and tries to, but drives through it to get it sorted and, mm. and is and is clear on the outcomes, focused, I suppose, rather than water for months and months and months in some kind of tribunal issue. Hopefully, by being sensible and having decent, transparent communication, you can address things quicker. Yeah, not always possible, but you can try to have that. So you might want to might want to answer this, you might want to not answer right. this. Cool. Is if you had an HR function in this business? Yeah. There's would there potentially be anyone that would have if it was the black and white. HR function that most businesses have, mm-hmm. would you have lost people in this business that you've kept? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. So I think the relationship I've got with the guys that have been here longer, it's building with the more junior guys as they get to know me and they're more exposed to me more in meetings and so on and work out that you're actually not this scary guy, you're actually somebody just really passionate about the business and them. Um, yeah, definitely. I've told people off the shelf on several occasions, but that's what the job of a CEO is. I'd say that regardless of HR, mm-hmm. it's kind of picking up on the signals of when somebody's struggling, down, wobbling, whatever it may be, and, and addressing that. And that's a good CEO, not good HR, in my mind. That's somebody who's aware of their team, their business. Um, I think the time came for me to, my own ego away and put the chest away and realise that it was time for pass the HR mantle on to somebody else. The point being, I think sometimes when people say they want a HR function, so I was getting at, I think they really want potentially somebody just to moan to, a whinge to. And quite often, one of the things several of the team members will give you here is, if I, I can have five minutes with you, basically the dreaded five minutes, yeah, yeah. Says that get to you in you. a room. And I'll sit there and I'll listen to somebody rant at me for a period of time. And at the end of it, my best question is, and what would you like me to do with that information? Not in a cold, heartless way. Is it, is it a complaint? Or you calm down that. HR issue. You calm down that. Or have you exercised the chimp and you've calmed down yeah, that? Yeah, so yeah. Speaking of people like the chimp paradox. So that that's a big one for me in the sense of, and I've learned that over the years that people have different profiles, and some people just need to rant at you. Other people you need to put an arm around and give them the shoulder to cry on. Other people, um, it is an issue, and you know it's an issue when they come and speak to you because they don't normally come to you that fact five minutes. And you know you've got a problem on your hands. Um, so I think I think I'll always have that role. It might just not be with a formal HR hat on. I guess. So you you've got the you've already planned for the tipping point. We're at, we're at it now. Yeah. It only takes so many people on the team to say it, and that's maybe. I think you struggle to be the business owner, business leader, and the impartial HR function. Yeah, because I, I always think that your role is ever changing as a CEO, isn't it? And I yeah. think do you, the one thing I always worry about—not not worry about from a BDB perspective—but I, I think as any business grows, mm-hmm. I mean, I know you've got a great little family here, mm-hmm. and everyone knows everybody we go out socializing together yeah um do you ever worry about the growing too big element and that you lose touch with everybody so you don't have that personal touch anymore I, mean, I, I don't worry about it no. i don't worry about it but that's again it might be naivety so it might be in three years time if we're still doing a podcast it's not changed into some kind of like mind reading software or something but me no i don't worry about that for me the people I worked hardest for were the people I respected and the people I got along with and the people who invested time and were friendly and pleasant and coached and nurtured me. I could list on one hand who those people were at PwC back in the early 2000s that did that for me. And they've shaped, they've, those individuals, and I could list them, have shaped the way I now am in my own leadership, I guess, that yeah. for me, I think if you get along with people and you're pleasant and you're polite and you're respectful with people, 
and you treat the cleaner through to the whoever the, the same in any rank in any organisation. That's just maybe that's just manners. I don't know it's where you raise maybe. It is manners. It is manners. But for, for me, I, I love that. That's what you should yeah. be like with everybody. And by being like that, maybe some people will say that's over friendly. Yeah. Some people would say I shouldn't be out with the team at Bongo's Bingo on on Thursday night. Why, say, do, why do people say that? I don't. You hear it so often. I remember back in PwC days, you got told not to socialise with the more junior team members once you reached a senior account do, manager. And this will be denied by PwC if they ever hear this. But trust me, the conversation took place. If you want to progress in this firm, you cannot be seen to be fraternising with the younger team members. Fraternising. But I was. Well, I was going out with one. I married married one of them. So in the sense of it was quite hard for me not to fraternise or be friendly with the younger peer groups who were my age group. It's just the fact I'd worked there for three or four years before them. Yeah. But it, for me, it was such a, a strange mentality. I don't, but, I don't but, get but, that. But way. that's what I'm saying is that going back to, and, and it does relate back to HR, because that is that that does come back to HR, doesn't it? If, if the, I've known in businesses where company policies, but you're not allowed to date yeah, any. But, but the, the dating side of it, I don't obviously I say mar- long married now, but it's more in the sense of balance and it's a skill and it's something to be able to be at bongo's bingo having a laugh and a few beers and dancing on the tables with but your no team and enjoying it the kind of well even that no one to go home no one to please have the situation i'm not very good at that i really i really enjoy a night out so i let steam off but for me i've been able to come and work the next day and if there's an issue or a, a problem that needs to be addressed you could have been having a beer with somebody the night before but the next day you might have to discipline them or you might have to have a conversation with them i've no issue with doing that so if the team have, that's up to them. I, that I'm very comfortable with that. The fact that for me, it's based on mutual respect. Yes. You should be able to have that that, that multifaceted relationship, if that's the right way to phrase it. Um, whereas I think from the team's perspective, maybe they struggle with that a bit more sometimes in the sense of no, how do you go from being friendly to think depends what professional. I think what depends what stage people are in the career. I think, because I have that relationship with you, don't I? Where... Yeah. where we have a business relationship, well, but then yeah. I could switch. We can switch from a business relationship yeah. to a friend's relationship, yeah. Yeah. regardless whatever happens. And I Absolutely. think, uh, but it's a skill. Uh, it's a skill. Not everybody can do it. No, That's what I mean, everybody's comfortable with it. And I think the previous MBs at this business, you know, warn me about nights out. People will bend your ear. They probably will. Mm-hmm. I enjoy speaking to the team on a night out. I think time. you find that more on a night out, don't you? You do. If people can string a sentence together after a few glasses of wine, but in the sense of yeah, no, it's more of a for me. I enjoy spending. That's my time to wine with the team where I, they I think where they get to see a different side support. of me. Maybe where you do let your hair down and have a bit of fun and all that stuff within. within you know, You've within got a reputation for dance, don't you? I like, I like I like a dance floor. I always have. I've heard that you're a little bit of a mover. Um, well, we'll see on Thursday night, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, for me, for me, letting your head on and enjoying stuff like that shows a more human aspect to you, which maybe they don't get to see when you are flying around the office at 100 miles an hour. So, a bit of a question out of the blue, though. What, what, what's, I and mean, this is just a bit, a bit of fun on the on the end of the fun, but, but a bit of seriousness to it yeah. as well. But what would be your HR nightmare? What would be having not having a HR function in your business now and being in the position, what, what, what would be your HR nightmare? Fun. Um, a HR nightmare these days. There's so many, isn't there? Or, or, or think back. To full, full all right, all right. Or, or I think back to past. <laughs> yeah. What What would you have in the previous companies? What would you have struggled to deal with? A I, past, to, I past to, story. I had to dismiss somebody once. This is years ago when I when I was a, a child myself, a child adult at PwC. I'll call it. Yeah. I had to let somebody go for um, using drugs. Um, so we had uh, we had an intake. If people know this, if they're listening, but they had an intake years ago, a night out with the partners. I think at the time I would have been a manager or something like How that. How old? How old were you? 
21, maybe? 21, you were a manager of 21. Yeah, yeah, no, the PwC was like, I was, I was a younger manager because I came, came straight from school for the, the university route. So my peer group was like the 22, 23 year olds. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was, I was doing some kind of induction training or something, whatever it was, I went into specific details around a new peer group that were joining. And on the night out, you'd go out for drinks with some other partners who were senior guys, you know, right, okay. talking, you know, 400k a year people here. Mm. So they were big hitters and they'd come out and show, and show face. Yeah, well, they, yeah, they, they'd turn up and have a couple of beers with these new starters. Okay. You know, show face, it was one of those, a very classic couple of beers and out. Right. They, had, they had no interest in being there, really. Um, and this particular person uh, turned up effectively out a bag of drugs and shook them at the partner and said some, something along the lines of, I can't wait to get stuck into these later. In front of me, who was effectively line managing these people. Wow. And the partner just turned to me and just said, like, you know, gone. Sorry, I can't gesture on a podcast, can you? But, you know, kind of like, you're getting shut of in tomorrow. To call the guy in and obviously, I was 21, I think he was probably 19 or something, you know, 20 at the time. I have a conversation with him wow. in, a glass, in a glass office with everybody looking on from the outside in at me. Well, I had to, you know, explain to this guy that that kind of behaviour wasn't really acceptable, let him go on the spot. But it also meant, I think he got kicked off his university course. It was like a placement sandwich type thing. And, Real. Yeah, so you knew the implications were big, but, you know, that, that that's a HR issue for me, a big one. Um, oh, that is a big one, isn't massive. it? Massive, and I take advice from the HR people at PwC because they were back and looked after yeah, yeah. people and all the rest of it, how he wanted to be dealt with. I think when you deal with something like that and then you're dealing with... Arguments or arguments and petty stuff like that was a game changing thing for me. That I thought, oh, Christ, I've potentially ruined the guys. Well, I hadn't done it, he'd done it, but you know, being the, being the guy to sort of send the guillotine dropping on him wasn't nice, no. But it's led me to the decision. A big thing with me now, and I, you know, I hope, I hope the team get it that if we make that decision to part company with anyone in this business, it doesn't come lightly. I don't like it, I don't get any pleasure out of it. Everything comes from a very well thought out perspective of will this person work here. Or mm. is this per- is this somebody you want in with your team in five years' time? And if the answer is no, you're probably better having that conversation in the early doors than letting it just fester in the background. Yeah, I agree. And that's kind of my approach to HR. Just deal yeah. deal with it. Um, so it's a tough one, but I think that's that's it for me, probably, on the HR function. A good meaty subject, that, to be honest. And I think hopefully it's one that most growing businesses can kind of... Um, take on board and think about and a point to reflect on for the larger business as well so thanks very much for listening um, and uh, look forward to speaking to you next time cheers